You're listening to the UI podcast by the Swedish Institute of International Affairs. I mean, Polyarevich, you're an associate professor in sociology of religion at Uppsala University. Correct. Welcome. Thank you. Um, today, you participated in our seminar uh, titled Understanding Sunni Shia Sectarianism, the Case of Hezbollah in Syria. But I would like to ask you a question of a more general character. Do we see, uh, according to you, and if so, why a rise in sectarianism in the Middle East? Well, there are many, many different um, uh, explanations and many different perspectives by which to look at, at the... Uh, uh, not only uh, that sectarianism is on the rise, but it's politicized in a very different way than it was... Uh, some years back or some decades back. So essentially what it boils down to is the um, capture of the uh, sectarian narrative or the narrative of uh, sectarian identity by certain uh, identity entrepreneurs like the authoritarian states that we see in the region. I mean, the... um, the idea of the Iran-Saudi conflict based on sectarian uh, differences is something which is oftentimes promoted in the media and oftentimes promoted, promoted in, the, in a public discourse. And if we look back at the, the relationship between Saudi and Iran, that can be, uh, it, the, the, the rivalry can be read through the sectarian lens. But I think that the sectarian differences are politicized in order to position uh, uh, those two uh, political uh, regional powers uh, in the region, so to say. So geopolitical positioning by using the sectarian rhetoric. Now, the political divisions and and these two rivals, uh, uh, the conflict between them is giving the trickle-down effect on the civil society by which people would then uh, adopt one side against the other. Uh, and, and the obvious case in point, we can see Iraq, where the uh, today Shiite majority is suppressing the Sunni minority as a kind of a, a repercussion of the What's it is, what is perceived and presented as a Sunni minority's repression during Saddam Hussein on the Shiite majority. And that is kind of politicized in a very interesting way uh, in Iraq and, and elsewhere, not only in the Middle East, but also to the mm, diaspora groups that exist in, in the West, for instance, where you see the hostilities between uh, Sunnis and Shiites being uh, used uh, and abused, I would say. So there are different perspectives to look look at the problem of sectarianism in the region and elsewhere. And would you also say that there is a difference between ethnic and religious sectarianism? Or Well, look, th- that's one perspective which I think is quite helpful to look at the sectarian conflicts through a uh, lens of uh, ethnic uh, divisions and, and, and theories of ethnic violence. Let's let's take the example of Afghanistan, where we we have seen the the the, the war of liberation in 1980s against the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan. That that uh, that war generated 
sympathy not only in uh, in 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 the Sunni world but also in the Shiite world. Uh, but the Sunnis came to aid in as volunteers in Afghanistan, and when they came to Afghanistan, they really noticed the uh, the, the the Taliban fighters, uh, so-called mujahideen, were really uh, hardcore uh, Hanafis. That means that they are they are following a particular school of law in Islamic jurisprudence, which is rather different from the volunteer. Arab uh, Mujahideen that came in and you saw directly the tensions between those two camps. Now, after the, uh, the War of Liberation and the, uh, and the Taliban, the rise of Taliban in Afghanistan during the 1990s, you could see that Taliban have become, a, in, they embody the extreme form of Hanafi uh, Islam that they would try to transfer to other ethnic minorities in Afghanistan. So Taliban are majority Pashtun, ethnic group speaking uh, Pashtun. Uh, they are trying to transfer not only uh, Hanafi form of Islam, but this specific form of, of Islam, which is very culturally very contingent to groups such as Hazara, which are Shiite, right? Uh, but uh, equally uh, aggressively towards Tajiks, towards Uzbeks, towards uh, Turkmens, for instance. And you see this, th this tension developing in a, in a full-fledged civil war where these minority groups are fighting the Pashtun majority. And that could be read through religious kind of differences, but really not. They are really ethnic uh, uh, differences. So then in this kind of a process of spiraling of violence in Afghanistan, you would see the narrative of sectarian nature. So today you would see that the Hazara is really repressed because they are Shiite. Not only because they are ethnically different from Pashtuns and speak different language, but because they are Shiites. And in this sense, they mobilize the sympathy and support perhaps from Iran and, and other countries. So th there are these overlaps, and I think Afghanistan is a pretty good uh, place to, um, to kind of try to exemplify the, the overlap between sectarian violence and ethnic violence in the same place. Right. And then you would see maybe the, um, uh, um, what, what sectarianism does, uh, and I try to explain this in my talk uh, at the seminar discussion, is that really it becomes a one overlaying identity which uh, is, is activated in a certain, uh, certain uh, time and period and place uh, it's already been there, right? But it gets activated in order to polarize between different groups. And this polarization, if it results in violence, will also be far more entrenched and lasting much longer, being filled with, with conflict, perhaps, and uh, generating a further conflict in, in a society. And how this can be solved, that's one of the kind of uh, questions that we had in our discussion. How can we solve it, right? So, and I'm, I suggested that you can solve it only through uh, not eliminating sectarian differences because that's, you know, that, that has been tried and it's really not, not something which is possible in the long run. But you can have an attempt, for instance, what, what Al-Azhar and what Najaf uh, ulama, meaning the religious scholars, they had a dialogue in 1950s as a result of from the Bandung conference in Indonesia. They said, look, we need to recognize each other. And the result of these talks between the Sunni um, 
and Shiite uh, religious leaders resulted in, in Al-Azhar, which is one of the prime Sunni institutions, uh, religious institutions in the Sunni world, said, look, we need to recognize Jafari school of law, meaning the Shiite uh, jurisprudence, as a legitimate form of Islamic uh, um, practice. Later on, you had uh, uh, several other conferences, uh, in both in Mecca uh, and, and other places in Cairo, which said, look, we have to recognize the legitimate schools of religious law or uh, interpretation or tradition. And all of the conferences really resulted in uh, ecumenical uh, agreement that we need to recognize each other as Sunnis and Shiites and so on and so forth. Now, there is no problem then, if we look at that result of, the dis of these discussions, there is no problem of sectarian differences on a higher level. But you can see when those differences are politicized and used as a matter of uh, superseding identities vis-a-vis -vis other identities that we have, both ethnic or national, that, 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 that Middle Eastern countries which are, uh, contain uh, Sunni and, and, and uh, Shiite minorities vis-a-vis -vis majorities, depending on which country you look at, the, these identity entrepreneurs can use this narrative to other people of, of different sects, in that sense to use it as an instrument to rule. So religion is relevant, it, is, it, it exists there, but it gets activated in different times and different forms. For example, why don't we see religious violence in Qatar between Sunnis and Shiites, or in uh, uh, United Arab Emirates, or in Oman, which is not a Sunni country, but it's a it's a Ibadi country. Why don't we see? And they they have between ten and fifteen percent each of Shiite minorities. Why? Because this, the, the, this identity entrepreneurs or the state, which which are all of them are authoritarian in different ways. They have not ha had an interest in in, in 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 heightening the tension between the groups. That's why they said, look, we need to uh, preserve the unity of the country and people within the country. I mean, it's even outlawed to speak about theological differences in in uh, Oman, for instance, and in Kuwait. And even, it, I don't know if it's outlawed, but it's definitely a taboo to discuss Sunni Shia differences in Qatar. And this is allegedly a, a, a so-called Wahhabi uh, dominated country or religious uh, institution. So, so we see both uh, cases in which uh, Sunni Shiite divisions is activated and, and turns violent because of the failure of the institution in Iraq when, since, uh, after 2003 invasion of Iraq uh, and in Syria after the Arab Spring in 2011. But we don't see that type of violence in, in, in these three Gulf countries, in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia are different cases where you see violence, actually, and, and uh, repression of Shiite uh, political grievances and uh, political demands. So it's different. It's different. Amin Polarevich, uh, thank you very much. Find us on www.ui.sc. We are also on Facebook and on Twitter with UI Sweden. And we're also on YouTube, where you can watch our seminars and interviews.